0: In my work as a graphic designer, especially in those early days when I was struggling to find a, a, just a job, the amount of people that would try to exploit my talent mm-hmm. to grow their business was ridiculous. And that is really where this came from. Because it's like you either agree to be exploited, which I did a bunch of times, and then you get nothing in return, or you put your foot down and then they tell you you're an asshole because you're not doing what they want you to do or you get to a point where you put your foot down and they say, okay, I'll give, I'll pay you for that. And then you realize, Oh shit. You know? Cause I just, like I said, I watched that bit, that magazine come from nothing to mm-hmm. something and it was my design that made it go from nothing to something.
1: Dwayne Jones is the founder of art pays me the lifestyle brand. All your cool friends wear. He's my first guest in these auspicious opening weeks of 2022, and we'll talk about throwing away your accounting dreams for graphic design, stepping into the fashion world, and how we feel about the end of Insecure. I'm Tara Thorne, and this is The Tideline. Hello. Here we go again. Another year of this. Let's see what happens. I'm going to play you a song from Lovey It, who you may also know as Natalie Lynn, who moved up to Toronto and uh, has reemerged as Loviet, including with a new record called 777. And she was supposed to play a hometown show at the Carlton this week, which of course has been canceled. So, I guess we'll hope to see Natalie in The springtime, who's to say? In the meantime, here's something from that record. This is called Picture.
2: Good night
0: Happy New Year to you! We well. were
1: we were excited to to get together in person, and now we have decided that was a bad idea.
0: Yeah, uh, this omicron or marion or whatever it is is just running through. Like I, I know way too many close contacts now who have uh, experienced it, and uh, yeah, it's it's wild out there.
1: It is wild and and I have not heard anyone that's had the same experience. It's like in terms of act the actual illness, nobody seems to have the same symptoms ever
0: I know it's like either this is this sucks. I don't wish it on anyone to i don't know I barely feel anything
1: yeah <laughs> well i am I am currently negative, and you are currently negative, <laughs> so we're doing twenty twenty two okay for now so far. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm a little intimidated to talk to you because you also have a podcast. You have way more episodes than we do, um, so I don't think I've had a, another podcast person on here before. Do you? What? Um, what made you want to start one?
0: Gee, I'm intimidated to talk to you. Uh, oh boy! <laughs> I, I'm like I'm not a journalist. I'm just an idiot who started recording himself. <laughs> so
1: I mean, that's kind of what I did, too. I just have like someone to record me. <laughs>
0: Uh, let's see you know what technically I actually started a podcast maybe 10 years ago if we want to be technical Um, it was back before I even knew what a podcast was I was recording interviews with some of my creative friends and I called it future glitterati
1: that's a great name uh,
0: yeah I was I was pretty excited about it and then like after like four episodes I just flamed out and stopped doing it uh and then i started writing for uh like online magazines and interviewing hip-hop artists and things like that and i noticed that i just enjoyed doing interviews uh and um then like fast forward maybe uh what year 2017 or so mm-hmm. uh, i crossed paths with A couple of other gentlemen in the creative industry, and we all had expressed interest in podcasting. And it happened super quickly. It was just like, like, I didn't really know these guys. We just kind of knew each other from Instagram and just met up and said, Let's do it. And we kind of just started to get to know each other on the podcast. Um, And it was called uh, Changing the Narrative. And Mm -hmm. it was all about you know, creative industry and what it meant to two of us were black. And it was like, what it meant to be a black creative from our standpoint. And, um, but we, what ended up happening was he ended up focusing a lot more on like weekly topics and stuff like that, instead of actually the creative industry thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was cool. It was fun, but it just, for me, it became a separate brand. I had already started my art pays me thing and, I felt like now I was building this Changing the Narrative brand and our Pays Me brand at the same time, and I didn't have the capacity to do both. And um, when I left the show maybe a month later, I was like, you know what, I still want a podcast, but I want a podcast on my own terms. And I started the Art Pays Me podcast and focused specifically on interviewing people in the creative space and making it more of a peer to peer conversation versus say like a technical interview
1: mm-hmm. yeah, cool i mean wh- what what is it in you that makes you so interested in why people create because like the whole crux of your brand art pays me it's interrogating the idea of why we do art and how we're able to make a living from it, but you you go further and you want you want to actually ask people about it. What makes you, what makes you so curious about how other people do it?
0: Uh, selfishly because I want to learn from myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like what I found was interesting in my, my journey, I've been in this industry for like 20 years, which is way, way longer than it's embarrassing. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of ups and downs, but along the way, I've met so many interesting people who know so many things, and some of them just happen to be friends of mine as well. So that was partly why I wanted to interview creative industry folks because I was just like, you know, some of these people drop some knowledge bombs on me that mm-hmm. I think would be useful for other people to to hear. Mm-hmm. So it really just started out with me reaching out to people that I kind of know. And, and, just kind of talking to them. Uh, so it, and then it also started to become, Hey, there's somebody interesting that I'd like to have on my network. Why don't I reach out to them? And so it, it, it became sort of that sort of thing for me as well, like a networking opportunity. And it also became content marketing from my, my website. Uh, right. So I was like, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily something that I'm looking to get paid doing, but it had like some marketing benefits. I enjoy doing it and people seem to learn things from my guests. So it seemed like it hit a lot of things and it was right in tune with what my brand sort of stands for, I guess.
1: Mm. Yeah. Very cool. Um, well, speaking of your brand, um, Let's actually go back before it. You grew up in Bermuda. Where? Yes. How? How did you start doing art, and and what kind?
0: Yeah. So um, <laughs> I was obsessed with um, martial arts and comic books, but like I never really got nerdy into the the point where I was reading a lot of comic books. I would mostly just get ones that I liked the art. And um, I tried to copy the art styles in in them. So, like uh, image comics, I, I would draw like that. And then I got into Japanese stuff. So then I started to to really zero down into those kind of styles. And like at that time, most of my my art was uh, <laughs> probably misogynistic by today's standards. A lot of uh, women. Inspired by the uh, Japanese comics I was sure. reading. <laughs>
1: yeah, we know what you mean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but then it 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 kind of turned into more just like fight scenes. Like I would just draw these pictures of of dudes fighting in this sort of Japanese style that I, mm-hmm. I was into. Uh, but um, you know, being from Bermuda, it's it's really like a a corporate entity in a lot of ways. And while I knew there was. Creative, the only artists that I knew of or knew in that space were people who did like watercolor landscapes. And to me at the time, I didn't really think that was interesting. I mean, I, I appreciate it now, but I thought it was just boring back then. And uh, so I, I didn't really have any interest in being an artist. Uh, and I had seen examples of people, uh, Black people in particular, who had been successful and had in the business world and and, uh, and politics and things like that, so my goal was to be an accountant, and you know I really like to save up. I had all these i always had side hustles and <laughs> uh would buy my video games with all the money that I would make and stuff like that so like the idea of making money was always exciting to me uh but um one thing that happened when i you know i I had decent grades and I got to high school, and that all that sort of changed and I was uh, in the accounting class and I was doing so badly. They just told me I can't take accounting anymore. So (laughs) I was like, yeah, (laughs) the school I was in, you had to take an, it wasn't a private school, but at that time you had to take an exam to get into it. And they kind of assessed you on your extracurricular activities and your academic abilities. So I got in, but they also just had really high standards for, for how you performed in your classes. And um, when I got kicked out of accounting, I didn't know what else to do. I was just like, you know what? I, I'm getting really good grades in art and I love doing art. I get really good grades in English, everything else. Like I'm kind of like mediocre at, and I just said, you know what? Screw it. I think I want to be a comic book artist. And I I kind of doubled down in that area mm-hmm. and But then my high school art teacher saw something in me, and he just said, hey, you know what? I think the way you draw, I think you'd be a good graphic designer. Um, I had no idea what that was, but uh, I was like, all right, I'll take your word for it, and and I guess that's what I'm going (laughs) to do.
1: Can I just say that you are so cool, and your origin story is I got kicked out of accounting. (laughs) Uh
0: I'm a nerd. Uh, I, (laughs) yeah, I'm not cool. Trust me. How did you?
1: How did you end up in Halifax?
0: So, uh, yeah, after that high school teacher suggested, um, I went to Bermuda College, did art and design there, and one of my instructors. Well, um, I'll 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 tell you about one. Went to the Savannah College of Art and Design. And the other one, my art history teacher there, he um said, Hey, you know, if you're looking at schools, you should consider the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. It's one of the best schools in Canada. And my parents had always kind of drilled in my head that I was going to school in Canada um from day one, because it was cheaper than the states or the UK, (laughs) which is where most Bermudians go. They either go to Canada, the UK or the States typically. Um but then they were, we were looking at the tuition. It was like, is it really worse if it's way less to, you know, those kind of things? Um, but I wanted to go to Savannah College of Art and Design because they had a basketball team. I love basketball. And I thought, you know, that would be my, my other backup plan uh, if things didn't go. But I applied to both of those schools. Actually, and I applied to OCAD for Ontario College of Art and Design for mm-hmm. the dumbest reason because. I used to watch um oh what's that dance show that came on on Fridays? Uh
1: like the much like a much music one? Yeah. That Master uh, T hosted? I know what you mean too. Uh Electric Circus.
0: Electric Circus. I watched Electric Circus and I thought it was the coolest shit. And I have been to Toronto before. Sorry, am I allowed to curse? Oh yes. Okay. And I was like, yo, that's what I wanna I wanna be at Electric Circus on the weekends. So I applied to Ontario College for on for that <laughs> reason. I uh, love. That. But NASCAD is what I got into, and I was just like, "All right, cool." And I didn't really know much about Nova Scotia, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, and they canceled electric circus, so that would have been all for naught.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, what was your time at NASCAD like? I mean, formal formal art school training uh, was that for you?
0: Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. Um, It was it was it was a little bit of culture shock for sure. I think when I first got there, I was like, "Yo, this is." It felt like art school. Like you know, the the campus, uh, the Duke Street campus at that time was kind of like old and brick, and and you know, the studios looked like like dirty art studios. And I was like, "This is this is the environment that I want to be in." Um. So that was cool, and then. I also found that the instructors sometimes were uh, pretty harsh, which I was actually fine with. Like my martial arts background, I was used to, you know, them kind of beating us up a little bit and and telling us the pain is fine. So, you know, I didn't mind um, having harsh critiques and stuff like that. I know I saw people get broken by it and run out of classrooms crying and all this kind of stuff. But um, I like that. Uh One thing that did frustrate me, though, was like that was the first time I had been the only black person in a place. Mm. And it was like people just when with the art that I was wanting to do or at least trying to figure out as an artist uh at that time, just people didn't get it. So when you have these class critiques, people would critique you based on their social experience and their past experience, and they don't have the same one that I had. Mm -hmm. So they can't necessarily critique it in the same way. Whereas because I had watched, grown up watching American and Canadian television my whole life, I knew sort of where they were coming from, from a cultural standpoint, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: but they just didn't get where I was coming from. So it was kind of frustrating in in that sense when it came to uh, adapting socially and culturally. So I was very much a loner and didn't really make many friends. And I tended to hang out with people from SMU and, and DAL and stuff like that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but overall, I, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am without NASCA. And I, I really enjoyed my experience overall. I, and I do have some friends from there. I'm not saying I didn't make any friends, but...
1: Um, <laughs> is yeah. it a, did you get a, Is it a painting degree or is it graphic design?
0: So yeah, and what I ended up doing was um because of my Bermuda college experience i I was able to bypass a lot of classes and went straight into the graphic design program and I finished with a communication design honors degree and actually the honors program that was interesting because um I had another situation i I was in this semiotics class and it's it's like semiotics is like study of signs and and language and how those things kind of interact and in color and all of that. Um, I love the class, but I had like a thirty percent in the class, and I I, really, I actually really loved the teacher too. And uh, he pulled me aside one day and said, "Hey, I think you should drop this class." And I was like, "He's like, but here's the thing: like you you always contribute so well in the vocal part of the class." Mm -hmm. So I know you know your stuff, but for whatever reason, you're not testing well on the assignments. And um, that, and he's like, I really would like to see you stay in the class. And he kind of like hyped me up and made me feel like, you know, I was intelligent, but I just, it just, it it made me rethink how I was approaching class. And from that point on, I was able to to, uh, pull up my grades and he was the uh, sort of the main, instru- one of the main instructors in the honors program. And that inspired me to apply to the honors program and really take at first, I just came to like get a degree and be out as fast as possible. But at that point I was like, nah, I'm really passionate about this design thing. I had stopped really focusing on doing art. I was just like, I want to be the best graphic designer in the world. Like that mm-hmm. was, that was it. Yeah.
1: And you stayed here.
0: I stayed. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> was there ever a question of not staying here?
0: For sure. Uh so
1: I mean we all think it every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have had a love hate um relationship with with Halifax. And at that point, uh I was ready to to move to a bigger city, go to Toronto, um, get some experience there for a year or two and then head back to Bermuda. Uh, that was my ultimate plan. Uh, I did go on some job interviews in Toronto and, you know, one, the funny, I don't know if it's funny, but it was interesting. Like Toronto is super diverse and Mm -hmm. I love that about the city. Uh, I love that, you know, when I was walking down the street, no one looked at me, no one cared, no one noticed me because I was just regular. Um, but then uh, I go in this interview with this creative director, and he says, "I'm gonna I'm be real with you. Um, you know, you're gonna have a hard time in this industry because there aren't too many people like you in it. So they're not really, you know." <laughs> and I, I, I actually appreciated the the candor,
3: mm.
0: but it was somewhat defeating because I was I like, bet. "I'm here. I am in this like super multicultural city." Everyone around me is like a different shade of something, a different culture, or whatever. And I'm still going to have a hard time.
3: <laughs> uh,
0: and, um, you know, and it just the whole, it, I think it kind of shaded my experience and I, di- I didn't see Toronto as the same anymore. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll go back and see what happens and, and just keep an open mind. And, um, I ended up finding a flyer for, uh, a magazine position just at on the NASCAD campus old school days at a, on a bulletin board. And it just said, looking for a graphic designer for a magazine. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, will follow up. And I called the dude and ended up being, uh, this, uh, this immigrant, uh, dude from, um, Israel. And he just, said look i've got this magazine idea that is popular where i'm from and i'd like to bring it to halifax and i'm just looking for someone to help me with the design i like i thought that it was an actual business or whatever it was literally just at that point just a dude
3: um
0: (laughs) but he was super like business savvy and was able to to scrounge up money and funds and everything else so uh he you know, in a very short time created a company and hired me and was able to get me a work permit to be able to stay in the country. And that's pretty much how I ended up being able to stay and and go from there.
1: Very cool. How long did that job last? What was the magazine called?
0: It was called Next, but it was spelled N-X-E-T. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, yeah, it was, it was very much music, culture, all that kind of stuff. Actually, I, I started interviewing people in that and I did a little bit of writing as well. Like I did everything. I was part of the nightlife team because I, I just like to go out. So I would go out and take pictures of people. It was kind of like, um, like that Snapped magazine. I think. Yeah. It was called. Yeah. Uh, so it came with, D. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It came out before them. So, uh, right. so we were just doing like the nightlife I, and I, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I, I had a little too much fun,
3: um, in that <laughs>
0: job, but, uh, yeah, it, it probably fizzled out uh, about a year in and, um, yeah, I was kind of floundering trying to figure out what to do with my life after that.
1: Yeah. Um, when did Art Pays Me, uh, as a clothing line when did all of that start because it's much different than i mean it obviously has graphic design elements but but building a product line and and the fashion world what what made you want to get into all of that
0: so that was uh partly related to the the be glitter i mean the future glitterati podcast Mm -hmm. idea uh so having my first job with an entrepreneur and him letting me sit in in some of those meetings where he was asking for money from businesses and things like that. And just being a fly on the wall to some of those conversations, it made me realize that running a business isn't as, uh, you know, you always think that business owners have everything figured out and they just know what they're doing. And blah, blah, blah. but sometimes it's just, uh, yeah, more times than not, it's just someone just trying to figure it, trying to figure it out on the fly. Mm -hmm. And they don't really always know what they're doing. They just have confidence that they're going to be able to figure it out. So that made me think that it could be possible for someone like me to start a business or have a business. Uh, And I actually started the business as a way to stay in the country when my work permit expired for the magazine. Right. So, um, but like, so I, 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 but at the same time, you know, you when you when I committed to being a graphic designer, I realized that there was um, a creative side of me that wasn't being addressed in the way that I wanted it to be addressed. Uh, it was so based on what the clients wanted and right. I wasn't getting to express myself in the same way. And that made me re- realize that I might be more of an artist than I thought I was. Uh, So I started to look for like independent projects that I can take on. And that's where the, I went from writing to, to doing that little podcast thing to uh, doing illustrations, to doing graphic posters. And one thing that kept coming up during that time was I was reading a lot of online hype beast and online fashion blogs and, and, tumblr and i just got really into the whole streetwear scene and i was like you know what i think i want to be in that because it looks like they're putting art on t-shirts and i see all these cool people wearing it and it aligns to the music that i listen to it it aligns to the culture that i want to be a part of it seems very like interesting so uh I, and it, it it was a way that I could combine my graphic design and fine art skills in one. So I started to, to dabble in creating t shirts. And my business is called Glitterati Communications. So I started uh, this brand called Be Glitterati. And yeah, from there, it just kind of went. I I ended up getting into Atlantic Fashion Week. But one of the shirts that I had was, it said, um, Art me. and you know I was working with my my friend Bo who had uh, an agency at the time, and Oh Bo, Bo Cleeton Yeah,
1: I know Bo. We used to be neighbors.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, it's one of my my few NASCAD, uh friends. That makes so sense. So he uh, he him and him and his team like we we met up and he was like, yo, I think you really have something here with your brand. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we looked at was this Art Pays Me thing, uh, this T-shirt that you, you came up with. You know, when you look at all the designs that you had, a lot of them sort of reflect that same concept, that same idea. And what do you think about, like, rebranding as that? Mm. And I was like, oh. uh, I have thought about it and said, well, if you don't do it, I'm going to take it myself. <laughs> so I was like, all right, then it's done. <laughs> so I'm going to rebrand as that. And that's when the, that was around, so 2011 is when Big Literati started. 2015 was around the time when Bo and I had that conversation, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think I officially maybe changed the name from Big Literati to Art Pays Me probably around 2016 or 2017. So. Yeah and it's just been kind of growing ever since and it was hard it was a little tricky because I was like this means I'm going to have to not just target the cool guys I'm going to have to really niche down and uh I'm targeting a specific cuz and I say guys specifically because at the time I was it was trying to be you know the guy that I wanted to be like a male you know late 20s cool whatever uh street weird guy that image that I had in my head not realizing that um gender really was less of an issue and and actually women are are way more drawn to my brand than than men typically are and non-binary folks and so that's where another one of my other designs kind of came up about kind of questioning gender and commenting on gender but that's another story but yeah so it's it's just interesting like me niching down and and really focusing on um, a smaller market actually made the brand bigger uh, than it was so
1: I mean it's such a cool like it's almost a bold statement it's almost a challenge art pays me what do you have to say about that like you know what I mean like you wear a shirt or a hat with that on it and you're like yeah that's right. Like, I love it so much. Um. And uh, where have you seen it go? Like, who, like, w- I don't know anything about the fashion world at all. What did you know about the fashion world, by the way, other than, like, streetwear blogs and things like that? Like, it- <laughs> what did you know about operating within that world?
0: Um, yeah well yeah that's the whole thing too like the art pays me thing you know you we all spend our lives being told that artists can't or shouldn't make money so like Mm -hmm. the idea like i'm a pissing people off who believe that um was was part of my reasoning for it and also pissing off some artists who think it's okay to just like i don't know not do okay um for me i i would like to see i think we deserve i've just seen like In my work as a graphic designer, especially in those early days, when I was struggling to find just a job, the amount of people that would try to exploit my talent Mm -hmm. to grow their business was ridiculous. And that is really where this came from, because it's like you either agree to be exploited, which I did a bunch of times, and then you get nothing in return, or you put your foot down and then they tell you you're an asshole. because you're not doing what they want you to do or you get to a point where you put your foot down and they say, okay, I'll give, I'll pay you for that. And then you realize, Oh shit. You know? Cause I just, like I said, I watched that bit, that magazine come from nothing to mm-hmm. something and it was my design that made it go from nothing to something. Like I, it, I didn't come up with the idea, but I made the thing. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Well, the
1: exploitation is one side, but the other side that you did sort of touch on is that I think some artists, you know, I'm in a band, I know how it goes. They think it's like, like ambition is bad, Mm -hmm. and you're not a real artist if you're like living comfortably off of it. And I think that's an idea that's dying, (laughs) especially in the pandemic. We're like, oh, art has literally gotten us through this thing. (laughs) So thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, like, for me, and maybe it's a competitive thing with me, I'm like, I'm fine- i I have that too, like where I don't like the over corporatization and commercialization of art. It's not really my thing, however, what I learned is that if I don't take control of my image and my product, someone else is gonna exploit it. so if someone's gonna make money off my shit, it's gonna be me, <laughs> not somebody else you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's part of it too, um. Uh, but yeah, so fashion, uh, I didn't know anything about fashion, uh, really other than those blogs. And I, I just studied as much as I possibly could. Um, I realized like cut and sew wasn't really where I wanted to be. Uh, I learned as much about that as, as I possibly could. And I realized that like, I'm not interested in making t-shirts. Um, I'm not interested in silhouettes. Uh, I'm not interested and coming up with new ideas that way, I'm very much interested in graphics on apparel. And then I realized that, you know, doubling back to the earlier days when I was making posters and, and other things and other illustrations is that I might not only just be interested in graphics on apparel. Uh, I think I'm just interested in expressing myself and Clothing, I just love t-shirts and, and t-shirts just happen to be a great way to express some of those ideas. So um, one thing I've really come to realize in the last two years is that maybe Art Page Me is less of a fashion brand. And I mean, there's clothing, so it, it is. But for me personally, I'm way more interested in in being an artist and expressing expressing ideas whether it be on clothing or whether it be on something else and I've really started to double down in really um figuring out the art world and one thing I'm realizing now is uh all the time I spent in graphic design thinking I understood the art world the art world is a whole other thing and uh man it's like uh, what am I doing to myself like I had to (laughs) I I'm an, I went to school for graphic design and I had to figure out the fashion industry. Then I, re, and then I'm now trying to figure out the art industry and what, what like, what am I doing? <laughs>
1: um, well, what does the future look like for, for you and your brand?
0: So the future looks like, um, I had a, I think right now I'm going to, um, focus more on, Okay so I had a I had a phase where I thought you know like I said I wanted to to do this as more artistic representation for me or expression for me and putting more of my art on my shirts uh which I find is okay but it doesn't sell as well the thing that sells well is people just like the art pays me slogan as mm-hmm. much as I hate just putting a logo on shit that's what people want to see and that's what people connect with the most out of everything so i've decided that i want to focus more on that like giving more color options for people giving more different different ways that the the logo can be displayed that maybe it's still creative and interesting but um still gives people what they want like, they want that expression of art pays me mm-hmm. that view sort of thing. So how do I both do that and satisfy my own um, creative urge? So there's that side, but then I'm also sort of doubling down and really trying to figure out what being a fine artist is for me and what, how I can make that work. Um, And I'm really enjoying just being able to separate the two and just make work that has no nest, no commercial intent specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if it sells, it sells. Great, um, and splitting those two worlds. And I also want to to do a make a book an RPAs Me book to sort of discuss some of the things that I've learned throughout the interviews that I've I've done.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're a whole wealth of knowledge now. Hundred episodes. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. you can do you consider our paysme uh a local Halifax brand, or are you thinking that it's more of a, a global thing?
0: Yeah, I've never considered lo- considered it local. Um mm-hmm. it's definitely always been global to me. And I think partly because I'm an immigrant, I just naturally think that way. Um, nothing against uh Halifax, but uh yeah, I-, I think that the message is something that um Is universal. Mm
1: -hmm. And you've got daughters. Are they into all this stuff?
0: Yeah, I've got uh, two daughters a 13 year old and an 11 year old. My 11 year old is creative in that she's a dancer Mm -hmm. and she's sort of dabbling into drawing a bit. And I'm trying to encourage her, but her sister is really into drawing and sewing and doing all this kind of stuff. so she gets a little intimidated by the fact that her sister is like so advanced in that area
3: right. but i'm
0: tr- i'm trying not to like let that bother her and say don't like don't quit just because you know you feel like you can't keep up with your sister um but yeah like my oldest daughter she's got her own artist website now she does digital illustrations a lot and she she got into like the furry stuff and she made her own furry costume. Like, she just oh. looked at YouTube and figured out how to sew. Like, her grandmother taught us some stuff. But, like, she just went to the next level and just created her own custom patterns and makes wow weird stuff. But yeah.
1: I'm so jealous of kids uh, that I know that have creative parents. Like, a lot of my friends are artists. So it's like they're handing their kid a Telecaster or whatever. And it's just like, I never... I never had that, you know. Like it was not in- encouraged. Yes, go go play art, right, but yeah, dad, dad who founded art pays me. You've got to encourage it.
0: I have to. I feel like a hypocrite <laughs> if I don't. The funny <laughs> thing, though, know, is she doesn't really want to hear from me. <laughs> she of does course her own not. She's thing. Yeah. You know. So, uh, but like right now, she's trying to save up for uh, an iPad Pro so she can. Sort of take her thing to the next level. So
1: cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, one of the other reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because you've been in antagonizing me on Twitter for a few weeks <laughs> as a member of the Lawrence Hive from Insecure. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the end of Insecure, it ended on Boxing Day or and uh, forever, sadly. Um, stop listening now because we're going to talk a lot. What? <laughs> Here, I'm going to lay out my case. So. Okay. We start this show in 2016. Issa and Lawrence are together. She already is over it. They've been together for five years at this point. Five years later, the show ends, and she's with Lawrence again. I just, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> why why, why do you like that as an ending? I just need to know.
3: Uh, because- and I will say,
1: I will, I'm, I will say, I am a romantic and I actually quite love the idea of like a long love story where it's there it stops and starts but you end up together. However, this one, not sure.
0: <laughs> uh, they're going to kill me maybe for this, but it's because in some ways I I feel like I am Lawrence. Okay. I, I identify <laughs> with that character in so, like so when I when I met my wife, I was pretty much Lawrence. Like I, I, I was working for that magazine and got laid off pretty much <laughs> <laughs> shortly after we got back together. She was working doing. Oh, her back thing.
1: together. So it was like a couple runs at it.
0: Oh no! Sorry, we were we were we never broke up. But oh, like, I see. Uh, so it, it different. It's different in that way. But like I know what it was like to to just. Be kind of like struggling to find what your thing is, and you know, I felt like a bum. Like she would come home from work, she'd be like, "Did you apply for any jobs today?" But like, yeah, I applied for one. You know, (laughs) the the kitchen's a mess. She's like, "You couldn't do the dishes," and I'm like, "Yeah." So it (laughs) it was a point in my life that I realized, like, I got to get my shit together. So like, I I um got better at like making sure I kept the house clean. I did all that stuff. I did, I was like, you know, doing the house husband thing pretty much. And, uh, started making sure I hustle harder and applying for jobs and chasing other opportunities and things like that. So, you know, eventually I got to a point where I think I I was doing okay. And I I feel like Lawrence had a, an arc similar to that, but like, Issa cheated on him before he got the chance to, like, glow up.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but after five years, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I, I actually rewatched the pilot because I knew we were going to talk about this because I'm like, am I remembering this wrong? And it's like, no, they were, like, <laughs> struggling when we met them.
0: <laughs> you know, and, I, no, to, and to be fair, I, I can't hate on that because – there have probably been way more stories of of guys who just never really got their stuff together and just strung women along for years and didn't, you know, offer anything. But
1: <laughs> I will say here's what oh. I will say in Lawrence's defense. I love Nathan as a character, but when they got together for real, I didn't believe it. I'm like, this isn't this isn't real. I don't I don't see it.
0: Yeah, and to be honest, when Nathan was first introduced. I was like, yeah, I like this because he seemed happy. He seemed like he was a like a real guy. Um, but then when he disappeared, yeah, it, I was like, eh. And then he came back. It just seemed like this is not, this is not gonna gonna work. It just it never felt right. Um, and and I did. I mean, and I I did kind of like Daniel too. But like, yeah, I
1: like Daniel. Yeah, it's weird they never brought him back.
0: Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, but
1: again, uh, like someone six years, like we're knowing someone for six years and there's just these two guys, <laughs> three guys <laughs> in her whole life that she keeps coming back to. I, I guess that's TV for you. Anyway, yeah. um, were you happy with how the show ended? Cause I actually thought this season wasn't that great. I felt like you could tell Issa wanted out like mm-hmm. as a person. Uh, it felt very unfocused, but I, I liked the end with all the birthdays and everything.
0: You know what? I'm 100% on the same page as you. Like, People who I know who are watched it, who ha, who are kind of behind, have asked me what I think about this season, and I, mm-hmm. I felt the same way. I was like, I didn't have the same excitement to to watch it yeah. um, every Sunday that I did in the past. It just, for whatever reason, these things just didn't feel as interesting. But the last episode was like they, I think they nailed it in in that sense.
1: Yeah, did you watch? They had like a special, like behind the scenes, insecure hour where they sort of followed the, everyone making the final episode and she said that initially it was going to be her and Molly on a trip in Morocco for the whole thing. And huh. then she realized like a week out, she's like, "Oh no, we can't do that cuz we're taking the show out of LA and we're not going to see everyone." And so they so they she changed it and, and wrote this birthday structure.
0: Huh? Interesting.
1: hmm I mean. No, you go. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> it's, no, you're the guest. I'm talking too much.
0: <laughs> well, it, it just, it does play into that thing, I guess, where people have said the real love story was between Lisa and Molly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I was, when I was watching the pilot, they get in a big fight in that one too. And I'm like, man, they actually fought a lot. Like their relationship was very complicated and it was on the rocks a lot. Mm-hmm. And they, and yeah, they, you're right. They ended up together as they should be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, so there's there is I like Torian. So uh, I I I I would probably be Torian hive if if it went longer, I guess. <laughs> um but I do have a little bit of a problem there because you know, someone pointed out men became the prize at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know it's like, but I mean, in the pilot, Molly's talking about how she'll never get married and that she can't find a man, a -hmm. good man. I don't know. I mean, I think it must be hard. Series finales are typically not great um, Mm -hmm. because I think they can't be everything to everyone. Um, But I, but I thought they did. I thought they did a really good job. I mean, my favorites, Kelly. I wish she had her own show. Natasha Mm -hmm. Rothwell. So, so, so funny um and she was also great on the white lotus this year i just think it was like it was so wonderfully cast by the way i recommend watching that behind the scenes things because they 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 show them rapping everyone on their last day and then they do all these interviews everyone cried it's just like it's just so lovely you can tell they all really loved each other do you know your favorite episode offhand mine's the one when they go to coachella
0: oh gee no i would have to go back but that that one does stand out for me um uh I think maybe one where at the the party too when it got shut up, then uh, she. Oh did yeah, the, that was like a party. like a
1: season premiere, like like two years ago or something. Yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah,
0: that was a
1: big Molly and Issa fight as well, if I recall correctly. Yeah. We yeah. should do a podcast about Insecure now that it's over.
0: I know <laughs> that'll be that'll be dope, <laughs> episode
1: by episode. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne, where is the best what is the best way for people to get your uh stuff?
0: So, uh I am at artpaysme.com, uh at artpaysme on Instagram and Twitter. And um yeah, I'm working on a actual an artist website. I have my first Glitterati Communications website up for the first like time in years to put my design work, uh, on up. Um, I don't know if I'm going to put the link for those ones just yet, but okay,
1: cool.
0: RP pays me is where you can find me. You, you should, you should be able to find the other stuff if, if, from if, and when I'm ready to, to share.
1: <laughs> awesome. And, um, can you buy <laughs> any of your shirts in stores or anything? Or is it all through, um, online? Uh,
0: currently only online. Uh, they were at Make New at one point, um, and uh, they were at a store in Bermuda at one point. Um, but my prints are available at the Dark Gallery right now.
1: Oh, sweet. Um,
0: but uh, yeah, other than that, it's all online.
1: Cool. All right. Well, it was really nice to talk to you. And I feel like even though I didn't feel hopeful at the start of this conversation due to you know, everything, uh, you know, you know, the world, um, I feel hopeful now yeah. <laughs> talking to you. Um, it, it's been a really nice chat.
0: Yes. It's been nice chatting too. And I, I really like to troll on, on Twitter. So I. I apologize for that. <laughs> no,
1: I loved it. No, I really, it was awesome. <laughs> All right. Take care. Dwayne. Thanks so much.
0: All right. Take care.
1: The is engineered by Palmer Jamison at the Golden Palm and produced by the Halifax Examiner.